Well, it's great to be in the house this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you please open to James chapter 4. We just came out of conference weekend. Had a great time in the house of the Lord, and the theme was pursue. And it's a theme for all of us, a theme we should all consider, a way of life, and a manner of existence. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The Voice Bible reads, come close to the one true God, and he will draw close to you. One might ask the question, how do we draw close to God? How do we draw near to God? How do we come close? Well, we know the practical, purposed avenues that charge the spiritual. Avenues such as prayer, fasting, reading the Word, praise and worship. Means by which we draw near to God. Is not the Lord found in prayer and in seasons of fasting? His heart and His voice in the pages of Scripture? His very presence in times of praise and worship? Yes, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You know, in prayer there is a two-way pursuit. In fasting, as we read the Word, His Word pursues us, and here it encourages us and strengthens us and challenges us, and we know it changes us. In praise and worship, the Lord comes in such a beautiful way, like waves crashing over us, washing us, healing us, and moving us. You know, the Lord's promise remains today. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. In life, what we pursue pursues us. We read scriptures like Proverbs 11, verse 19, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil Pursues it to his own death. Or what of Proverbs 13, 21, evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. These are the words of the Lord. The Lord would come to challenge us today, Deuteronomy 16, verse 20, reading from the message paraphrase, the right, the right, pursue only what's right. It's the only way you can really live and possess the land that God, your God, is giving you. You know, the Lord speaks to us as a loving Father, as a caring Father, as a kind Father, a concerned Father, a hopeful Father. He knows the pull of the flesh. He knows the pull of the world. 
He knows the things that pine for pursuit, that they might pursue us and take hold of us. That they might trap us and cage us and even consume us. Consume time and energy and take precedence in our life that they might pursue the very life of God in us and draw us unto worldliness. Worldliness, what exactly does it mean? Well, we know and understand the things that are worldly, the things that the Lord has told us not to partake of. But what of other things? Less blatant and obvious. Listen to words written about Smith Wigglesworth, a man used mightily of God. Even though he lived in an age when the simplest form of relaxation was considered worldly and evoked condemnation from many Christians, Wigglesworth was not critical of others. He fully subscribed to John Wesley's definition of worldliness when he wrote in his journal, Worldliness is that which cools my affection toward God. With this definition in mind, ask today, is there any pursuing taking place in our lives that is cooling our affection toward God? First Timothy 6, verses 11 and 12, But you, O man of God, woman of God likewise, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. If you're looking for a list of what to pursue, here we are. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love how the message reads. Run for your life from all this. Pursue a righteous life, a life of wonder, faith, love, steadiness, courtesy. Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. Run for your life. Run for life. This is the heart of the Father for us. This is our new way of living, pursuing the things over which Christ presides. Not simply Shuffling along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of us. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The Amplified Bible reads, If then you have been raised with Christ to new life, Thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
and set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. There was a time when we were not drawing near to God. And in His grace and mercy, He still came after us. Praise Him for His relentless love. His grace has opened our eyes. His grace has unstopped our ears. His grace has changed us and has turned us from deadly pursuing that is met with destruction. Yet what of those that are lost, those that have lost their way? The words of David Wilkerson, What man of you having a hundred sheep If he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Luke 15, 4. The heart of a good shepherd. Jesus is speaking here of a sheep that had been in the fold. Clearly, this represents a member of Christ's flock, one that has been well fed and led by a loving shepherd. Yet, this sheep has gotten lost. So the shepherd has gone out looking for it. Note what Jesus says about the shepherd here. He goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. God never gives up on anyone who belongs to him and has gone astray. Instead, he goes out to find that sheep, embraces it, and brings it back into the fold. Simply put, You can go so far into sin that you become and come to the very brink of hell and he will still pursue you. David testifies, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Psalm 139.8 We have all heard the expression, hell on earth. That is what life is like for those who run from God. Their bed in hell is an awful, terrible condition. It means to be captivated by sin, drifting so far from the Lord that you eventually fall into a lifeless slumber. This slumber is accompanied by a nagging fear that whispers, you are going deeper and deeper into hell. You may not ever get back to God. Christ's message to us is, you may have made your bed in hell, but you are not too deep in sin for me to reach you and receive you with open arms. Perhaps there's somebody in the house today that needs to hear that. When the shepherd finds the lost injured sheep, he carries the wounded creature into the house. Then he calls all his friends and neighbors together, exclaiming, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Luke 15, 6. Likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. 
Luke 15, 7. Remember the prodigal son? The story of the prodigal son. He went to his father. He said, Father, I want my inheritance. And then he took off to a distant land, left the father's house. And once there, he wasted everything he owned on wild living. And then it happened, Luke 15, verses 14 to 16, reading from the voice. He was broke. A terrible famine struck that land, and he felt desperately hungry and in need. He got a job with one of the locals who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man felt so miserably hungry that he wished he could eat the slop the pigs were eating. Nobody gave him anything. Verses 17 to 19. So he had this moment of self-reflection. What am I doing here? Back home, my father's hired servants have plenty of food. Why am I here starving to death? I'll get up and return to my father and I'll say, Father, I have done wrong. Wrong against God and against you. I have forfeited any right to be treated like your son, but I'm wondering if you treat me as one of your hired servants. Is this a moment of self-reflection? This moment, these moments. You say, how does this apply to pursuing God? Remember James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In this moment of self-reflection, the memories worked into his life surfaced as if pursuing began. And it's as if the Father was pursuing him. He remembered the goodness of his Father. He remembered the kindness of his Father. He remembered the provision of his Father, the abundance of his Father. He remembered the dealings of his father, the house he now missed, the house he now so desperately needed. And so the son made a decision in that moment to rise and go to his father. Self-reflection, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? The text continues, so he got up and returned to his father. The father looked off in the distance and saw the young man returning. And he felt compassion for his son and ran out to him. Enfolded him in an embrace and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have done a terrible wrong in God's sight and in your sight too. 
I have forfeited any right to be treated as your son. But the father turned to his servants and said, Quick, bring the best robe we have and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Go get the fattest calf and butcher it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they had this huge party. Surfacing memories. A moment of reflection. A brooding. To draw near. A brooding. To rise and head home. To draw near to the Father once again. The Lord is pursuing the sinner today. The Lord is pursuing the lost sheep today. He's going after the prodigal today in this moment of self-reflection and the flood of memories. He's pursuing you. And the Lord is talking to His saints today. Draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. What an invitation. What an opportunity. That God would say to us, that the Lord would say to us, what what is man that you are mindful (laughs) of us, Lord? But he's saying, I invite you. Take me up on this promise, this invitation. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Matthew 8:22 in the message first things first your business is life not death follow me pursue life. Are there any youth in the house today? We all wish we were youth again. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, woman, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. How can a young person cleanse their way? Psalm 119 tells us, By taking heed according to your word. If you're a youth in the house and you don't have a Bible, get yourself a Bible. Take heed according to his word. It continues, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Is there a youth in the house today? 
Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. I'll put it off and I'll remember him when I'm a young adult. Yeah, you might not. Or I'll remember him when I'm a parent and then, you know, I need my children. I need, I need uh, child care on Sundays, so we'll go to church and need some time away. And, or I need the church to fix my children. I need the church to work on them and instill some good behavior into them. I'll remember God a little later on. I'll remember him in my 40s. Or maybe, you know, when I'm retired and I have more time to sit back and contemplate life and talk to the old guy and read the Word. Remember now your Creator. To all of us here, whatever age we are, remember now. Remember now your Creator. Are there any daughters in the house today? Proverbs 31, verses 29 and 30, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. John Piper said these words, A woman who fears the Lord will not run away from God to satisfy her longings and relieve her anxieties. She will wait for the Lord. She will hope in God. She will stay close to the heart of God and trust in His promises. The prospect of departing into the way of sin will be too fearful to pursue, and the benefits of abiding in the shadow of the Almighty too glorious to forsake. Are there any sons in the house today? Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Are there any parents in the house today? Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Not just words. But actions. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Show them the way. The reality is today, what we pursue as parents will pursue our children. 
it will pursue the next generation. John Wesley said these words. I've shared these before. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. It's been proven time and time again. What one generation tolerates concerning going to church. The next generation embraces it. The standard of holiness in the home. A pattern of worship. A pattern of prayer. Train up a child in the way they should go. The message reads, point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. The Voice Bible, teach a child how to follow the right way. Not do as I say, not as I do. No, follow me as I follow Christ. I thank God for the example of other fathers and mothers in the house that are worshiping and our children can look. And say that's that's what a worshiper looks like. So they act it out. Thank God for the house of the Lord, because there are children growing up in homes that are messed up. And they need a godly example. And so they come to the house of the Lord and they see godly men and women pressing in, drawing near to God. And they witness God drawing near to them. But you know, as parents, our children look up to us. And they try and act like us whether we know it or not. You ever caught your child trying to act like you, emulate you, be like you? Well, I sure hope we're doing the right thing. But can you imagine, wouldn't it bless your heart if your child came to you and said, Mom, Dad, I want to be a worshiper just like you. I want to be a prayer warrior like you. I want to be a financier for the kingdom of God like you. I want to be an encourager like you. I want to pray. I want to lay hands on the sick like you do and have faith that they'll recover. What greater joy train up a child in the way they should go. Set patterns in your child's life now. I've shared this before. When I grew up, sure, I was a pastor's kid, but we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, we never missed. We went to church Tuesday nights. When I was in youth, I went Tuesdays and Fridays. We had young adults. I went Mondays, was involved Tuesdays, had worship practice on Thursday, went Friday, these patterns set in our lives. Instead of getting caught up in other pursuits, we know how the world pines after us. Listen, if you don't think the enemy is after our homes to try and get us preoccupied with all these other things in life, let them take precedence. I'm not saying the other things are wrong. They're not. But we need proper balance and godly wisdom. God wants us to enjoy life. His desire is to bless us. 
but not at the expense of relationship with him. That's not his heart. You know, I'd question if the blessing is of God, if you're so loaded up that you can't spend any time with him. Or your schedule is so busy that there ain't no time for God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Sunday morning I'll make it. Well, we say, I'm so blessed. And God's saying, yeah, at the expense of your relationship with me. Pursuing the Lord is a daily exercise. It's not simply a Sunday gig. You know, I remember the words of an old song written years ago we used to sing. The lyrics go like this. I said on Sunday how much I want revival. But then on Monday, I can't even find my Bible. Where's the power, the power of the cross in my life? The lyrics went on. I'm sick of playing the game of religion. I'm tired of losing my reason for living. Where's the power, the power of the cross in my life? You know, church, we may claim to be pursuing the Lord, but does our life prove the fact Keith Green said these words, if you don't know who Keith Green is, one of the greatest writers the kingdom of God has ever seen, one of the greatest musicians. He said, the only music minister to whom the Lord will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, is the one whose life proves what their lyrics are saying. And to whom music is the least important part of their life. Glorifying the only worthy one has to be a minister's most important goal. You know, though directed at the music minister, and I cherish the words, how fitting for us all. We can talk the talk, but how's the walk? A life that is proof, glorifying the only worthy one has to be our most important goal. Is this not a fitting definition of pursuing God? Whatever he's called us to in this life, our aim is to glorify him, to bring honor to his name. It's not to bring fame to our own name. Charles Spurgeon said, I'd die in a ditch if he'd be glorified. That's a life that's more concerned about the kingdom of God and the glory of the king than self. Thank God for our little K kingdoms. The goal to build the big K kingdom. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, you know, he'll take care of the rest. How is our daily walk? Pursuing God is not a Sunday gig. How is our daily walk? Again, we can come in here 
We can gather with other believers. We can play the part. How's our daily walk? A.W. Tozer said these words, millions call themselves by his name. It is true. And pay some token homage to him. But a simple test will show how little he is really honored among them. Let the average man be put to the proof on the question of who or what is above, and his true position will be exposed. Let him be forced into making a choice between God and money, between God and men, between God and personal ambition, God and self, God and human love, and God will take second place every time. Those other things will be exalted above. However the man may protest, the proof is in the choice he makes day after day throughout his life. Is there not a cry in our hearts? O God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed at the lack of my desire. O God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee. that so I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up from this. You know, church, we live in a world of free will. It's the way he designed it. It's the way the Lord has designed it because if we were forced to pursue him in his ways, we would perhaps speak against him. He wants us to choose to pursue him. This is his heart. This is the love he is after, the affection, the relationship, the communion. His desire is that we would draw near to him. We would want to draw near to him. Billy Graham said these words, God created us free to choose how we would live, but leaves us free to pursue our own ends with tragic natural consequences. Can I have the worship team return today? I just want to say to you today that there is no greater life than a life of pursuing the Lord.
drawing near to the Lord and coming close. Listen, nothing else truly satisfies. Let us heed the words of Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. He's saying that to you today. A.W. Tozer, to have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. And how beautiful it is. And how true it is. Psalm 60 3.8, the Passion Translation, with passion I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I will keep my soul close to your heart. You know, I'm asking the Lord that we all become more motivated by the Holy Spirit. Would you ask Him today that you yourself would become more motivated by the Holy Spirit? Romans 8, 5, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Hear the call today. Pursue the Lord, and He will pursue you. Seek the Lord Go after the Lord. Draw near to Him. Get close to Him. Spend time with Him. And if there's any worldliness, that which cools affection toward God, let's run from it today. Let's run from it today. The Lord is calling us. A man named Albert Hibbert wrote a book book about Smith Wigglesworth. And he said these words in the book. Looking at me with tears in his eyes, he said, when are you going to move into a realm that you have not yet touched and get going for God? Let the question be asked in the house here today. When are you going to move into a realm that you have not yet touched and get going for God? Listen, the Lord is ready, and He is fully committed to pursuing us. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. In life, what we pursue pursues us. And so let's set things right. In its entirety, James 4, 8 reads, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. A call in the Spirit today, single-mindedness. Single-mindedness, not double-mindedness. The voice reads, Cleanse your heart. Because your mind is split down the middle. Your love for God on one side and selfish pursuits on the other. That's not the life He had in mind for us. 
I found one thing in my life to be very true. That if I pursue the Lord, he will pursue me. And with him and in him is everything I need. What are you pursuing? You as an individual, what are you pursuing? Are you pursuing acceptance? Status? Affluence? Recognition? At the expense of your relationship with the Lord, it, it shouldn't be so. The Lord gives us calling. The Lord gives us dreams. The Lord has a plan for each of us, a plan for our life, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope in the future but never at the expense of relationship with Him. That's not the heart of God. And so today, is there anything in our lives that would fit the definition of worldliness we have explored today? Anything we're pursuing in life, going after in life, that really what it's doing, if we're honest today, it's cooling our affection toward God. Come back to the heart of the Father today. Let's stand in the house. I'm just going to begin to lift up this song. The altar's open if you need prayer, if you want to surrender today. If you, you say, Lord, I'm making the decision to set some things aside. I'm going to go after you, Lord. I'm going to begin to pursue you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Listen, he died on the cross for you. You may not totally understand the whole story, the whole message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can feel him tugging on your heart, knocking on your heart, speaking to you today, calling you by name in this house. As we lift this up, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, or you'd like to ask somebody more about it, have somebody pray with you, come forward this morning. If you don't want to come alone, tap somebody on the right or the left and have them come with you. If you'd like a Bible today, you don't own a Bible, perhaps you've never read a Bible, or once you read a Bible, you heard about a Bible. If you want one, we'll, we would love to just give you one. If you come forward and acknowledge that you'd like one, we have Bibles. We'll just hand you one. You take it, make it your own. Begin to read this incredible story of salvation. Open up to the book of John. Start there. You say, where do I start? Big book. <laughs> Look it up in the front. Book of John. You'll find it. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy today. Lord, I pray 
for all of us here today as we're all level at the foot of the cross. Lord, I pray that, God, we would position our lives with the cry of our hearts, the burning in our souls, Lord, would be to pursue you all the days of our lives, to draw near to you knowing that the promise is true, that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Lord, we ask, draw near to us. Draw near to us, Lord. Draw near to us, Jesus. Draw near to our families and our children. Draw near to our homes. Draw near to us as a congregation, Lord. Oh, how we need you. How we need you, Lord. How we need you, Jesus.